Mel. And Kel. And this is It's Called Culture. Ever heard of it? Episode 52. You know what that means? One year. Today, one year ago today, April 7th, which is the day we're recording this, was the day that our first episode dropped. It's so excited. We did miss one week because I had the flu, but then we were able to commit to a weekly episodes and put out an episode every week since April 7th of last year. <laughs> every Tuesday, guys, we pop into your phones. And so if you're a new listener that hasn't been on this journey with us since April 7th of last year, if you've kind of joined us somewhere along the way or more recently, just to in- reintroduce ourselves. I'm Melissa Cole. I'm Kelly Ferrara. We lovingly term ourselves Mel and Cal because it rhymes <laughs> <laughs> for no other good reason. We've been best friends literally since we're five years old. We've gone to Catholic school together. I was in Melissa's wedding. <laughs> and then we just decided one day, let's make a podcast. We did. We we basically just decided we were going to take our group text chats and just put them in podcast form because we were talking about this shit anyways all the time. Yeah. But we decided to just talk about it with everyone. The podcast is it's called Culture. We've sort of broken it out into segments more recently. So we've kind of structured it a little bit more where we kind of do a social media roundup the beginning of the episode where we talk about kind of all things from our community on social media, things that our listeners say, things that people DM us with, like all that kind of stuff. We round that up initially to start this show. We go into a culture topic of our choosing, a nostalgia topic of our choosing. It's just we like to get nostalgic and doesn't always have to be culture related, but sometimes it intertwines. Sometimes there's overlap. We close out every week with a mental health segment to round out each show, which has been great. And if you're new and you're listening to us and you don't follow us on Instagram, our Instagram is underscore it's called culture. Give us a follow. We also have a TikTok account at it's called culture. No underscore on that one. We grew up with immigrant parents. So we both share that experience. And that's what really is the basis for our podcast. And a lot of our experiences are through that lens. So even if we're not specifically talking about things to do with immigrant culture or our Portuguese culture, we view everything through that lens. So no matter what we're talking about, that's just our our lens is a Portuguese immigrant, specifically Azorian immigrant lens. Without further ado, we'll just kind of talk about a couple of our favorite memories and then we'll head right into our structured episode. One of my favorite memories that I'm going to bring up is it was episode 34 specifically. I had to go back and look up which episode it was, but we were recording at a different time of day than normal. So normally we record at night and this particular episode, for whatever reason, we were recording like first thing in the morning and it just brought a different vibe. Just dropped my daughter off at school and I came back. I was still in my coat and my baseball cap and we just hopped on and we did this recording. I just remember looking like Jim Cantore the entire time I was recording. And it was the first time I was holding the mic instead of having the mic on a stand. And I just remember the vibe just feeling like we were so like feral in that episode. We were wild. The episode itself was about the specific anxieties of our culture, but everything about it, I just felt like like I was Jim Cantore reporting on a hurricane during that episode. 
I remember the recording of it being so funny to me. But then after we recorded, we had taken like a snapshot to show me like in my coat and my hat recording. And we posted it alongside a picture of actual Jim Cantore that we just like <laughs> cropped off the web and put it like a side by side. And we tagged him in it. We posted it on our Instagram and he responded. <laughs> he did. He DM'd us and said the resemblance is astonishing. And I just died that the Jim Cantori, weatherman, hurricane reporter extraordinaire, was in our DMs commenting on this picture. <laughs> and that just that's like a top five memory of this podcast for me. There's a lot of good ones, but that one just really was hysterical. So one of my favorite memories is from the very beginning. I think we were like recording in your mom's house because you had to like come down for something that weekend and we were just like, hey, we're together. Let's let's record. So we were in like your mom's spare room that she had with our makeshift set up. But it worked. It was episode three where we survived the 90s, you know, 90s in the Catholic school. And we talked about how, well, I talked about how I had lice. And how I had to stay home from school because I they found out that I had like so I had to like get it you know taken care of and then I get a doctor's note. Melissa then casually says, "I had lice too." <laughs> I had no idea. I had just found out at that time for the first time in my life. I've known Melissa for thirty five years. Never knew she she was involved in the outbreak. <laughs> it was so secretive. It was a huge embarrassment. You wouldn't ever tell anyone about it. Like even your closest friends, like you didn't tell me that you had lice. I didn't tell you that I had lice, but like we were both like home from school with lice. <laughs> didn't know until we found out live on the episode. 35 years later. <laughs> and the funniest thing to me is that prior to that moment, I would have died before I told anyone that I had lice as a kid. Like that was just like, it was still, even at 35 years old, I was like, I cringed at that fact. But then we got into this podcast and like we were just like, whatever, anything goes. We're going to just be open and honest. So we brought that up. And then very shortly after that, our podcast got written about in the Herald News. Which that was another great memory. Yes, that was the local newspaper from the area that we grew up in, which was like like our hometown newspaper, which was super cool. And Christina, the girl who wrote it, was awesome. And she she was also Portuguese to an immigrant family. So that was really cool. To, we shared that and she got to write up the, the article about us. But in there, it literally talks about our lives in the, <laughs> the Herald News article. The, it was such an experience. I was like surreal. I was having like an out-of-body experience. Like, oh, my God. OK, not only did I talk about my having lice on this podcast but then my hometown newspaper picked up the- <laughs> no everybody knows everybody that knows you knows been print forever immortalized if there's nothing else written about my podcast ever people will know that <laughs> so you are lucky because you're an only child my brother never let me live it down he would tell everybody i had lice and he didn't uh if it wasn't for this podcast, you would be able to take that with you to the grave. Yeah, no, this was between me, my mom, and my avo. <laughs> my <laughs> avo who found the first pill. <laughs> that was a funny moment. That was good. I actually, that was on the top of my list too. But I, mm-hmm. I was like, I can't bring up the lice again. But you did. <laughs> a year later, here we are. 
Uh, so another favorite memory, I think, for both of us is our guests. Anytime we have had a guest on the show, it has been an amazing experience. It's been so memorable. Our guests have been awesome, more than we could have ever even hoped for when we booked them to come on the show. They all brought something unique to the table, and it was really cool. Yeah. And, and because of this podcast, we got to meet like so many amazing people, and we got to reconnect with a lot of people. Yes, we've reconnected with people from our past through mm-hmm. the podcast and having them as guests on the show. We've connected with people on our favorite, my favorite TV show, Big Brother. We've, <laughs> we're interviewing those people, which is so amazing. And then people we had never met before that just stumbled upon our podcast and asked to be a guest on the show. And we said, yeah, sounds great. And like now I consider them some of our friends. Yeah. It's pretty cool. The community that we're kind of fostering through this show. If you are listening to this and you want to come on our show, we're very low key. It's very much an easy experience to just come on and just chat with us. Our website has a location where you can go and submit a formal request. Reach out to us via DM on any of our social medias, or you can go to our website, www.folkandfad.com and just navigate right over to our podcast page and you'll see a link there to submit a form to be a guest on the show. Aside from that, we are still looking for a name for our collective community of listeners. I know we've floated the term alien out there before. I do still kind of like that, but (laughs) just want to dabble in a couple others. I like these. I was just brainstorming and I was like, you know, it's kind of like our little like grapeviners, like Every time we want to say like, oh, I heard this from a listener or a listener submitted this to us, I want to just be like, I heard it from our grapevine, you know, like the the vineyard that was in your vavu's yard. I like that one. <laughs> I kind of like it. So I, I got do. little grapeviners. I heard it through one of our grapeviners. The other one that I just stumbled on was like, because we're a podcast about culture, it was like culturatis, you know, like a literati, a little bit, maybe like the Illuminati. I don't know. But Culturatis, and it sounded kinda like very, that one as well. I liked it. Maserati. Maserati. <laughs> <laughs> Aliens, grapefiners, culturatis, whatever you want to be called. If you have an opinion on these, let us opinion know. Opinion on goes. If there's another term you want us to call you guys and you think it's funnier or it's more fitting, let us know. Yes, because I just want something other than than me having to always say one of our listeners sent us this it just sounds so boring so i just want something to liven it up a little bit all right without further ado entering the structured portion of our show social media roundup where we specifically asked you guys what you love about our show leading into this one year episode we posted a couple times on social media and we got some responses that we just wanted to share because we like to tell you about why we're great. <laughs> <laughs> so some of the responses that we got from our listeners, they love laughing about our experiences as a Portuguese-American child of immigrants. Another listener mentioned that they were a big fan of our mental health segments and anything Azores related. Boop, boop. We were told our show reminds them of hanging with family while they're apart from their family. Listening to our show reminds them of the funny cultural memories from their childhood. And we're going to give you some more cultural memories right now in our culture segment. 
where we're going to talk about the Barcelos Rooster folktale, which <laughs> I I knew about the Barcelos Rooster like as like an emblem of Portugal, right? I didn't know about the Barcelos Rooster. Like I didn't know the story behind it. I still don't know the story behind it, so this is new to me. You go find out live. I purposefully didn't tell you before we started recording. Then get your genuine reaction. <laughs> so Barcelos is a city in Portugal. Our listeners may have heard this folktale before, but it was new to me. So I'm sure there are people out there who are going to be hearing this for the first time. Right here. <laughs> Even if they're super Portuguese. According to this tale, there was a man who had silver stolen from him and they were looking for the thief. And this other man became a suspect, despite him pleading that he was innocent. And so he swore, he's like, I was just passing through. I had nothing to do with your missing silver. I have no idea. Plead the fifth. Nevertheless, the authorities arrested this man and condemned him to hang. They were going to hang him for stealing silver, allegedly. Which is already like, that's a bit extreme, right? Right, yeah. Why are you hanging someone, putting them to death for thinking they might have stolen your silver? That's the first problem. But he said, take me to the judge who has condemned me. So they honored his request and they took him to the house of this judge who was the one who ordered him to death, apparently. And this guy happened to be holding a banquet. The man was still affirming his innocence. And he pointed to a roasted rooster on top of the banquet table. So like literally like a cooked, a cooked rooster. Yeah, I'm picturing it. In a tosh on the table. And he exclaimed, it is as certain that I am innocent as that rooster will crow when they hang me. The judge pushed aside his plate, deciding not to eat the rooster, but otherwise ignored this man's crazy appeal. Right. He was like, "Okay, this guy's just spouting nonsense. However, when this man was hanged, the roasted rooster, the cooked rooster on the plate, stood up on the table and crowed as predicted. Understanding his error, the judge ran to the gallows to discover that the man had been saved from death thanks to a poorly made knot. Everybody wins. The man was immediately freed. Wow. (laughs) I have tears coming out of my eyes right now. Some years later, he returned to Barcelos to sculpt the Calvary or crucifix to the Lord of the Rooster, whatever that means, Crucid Senor Gal, in praise to the Virgin Mary and to St. James. I don't know what they all have to do with this situation. This shit's all made up. Well, that's what I'm saying. And then I was trying to understand, like, okay, a folktale. I'm like, are all folktales just made up? And like, yeah, kind of, yeah. Like, they're all just like imaginary shit. They're all fiction, right? But why? Why make this up? This guy was wrongfully convicted and his rooster saved him. Did the rooster save him, though? Because the rooster was just supposed to crow when they hung him, which he did. But like, it just so happens that the not didn't work when they hung him but like but like they actually tried to hang him so eh, it just seems why make this up what is the point of this story so how did that rooster so okay you told me the folktale how do we get from there to the national emblem of portugal who the fuck knows why is it at portugalian fall over massachusetts (laughs) 
has a massive rusa. <laughs> what do you walk in? So if you go to the city of Barcelos municipal webpage in Portugal, oh, yeah. they have this whole history of the Barcelos rooster translated to English, you know, and then they talk there about how it became this like unifying thing for the country somehow. How did that unite the nation? Why do I feel like our friend Kyler will know this? Kyler, I know you're going to listen, be listening to this <laughs> on Tuesday. <laughs> I have a feeling you probably know this. Since you're our on-the-ground correspondent in Portugal, is she wants you to visit Barcelos, <laughs> find the original rooster, report back <laughs> what you find. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up DMing us a picture of the rooster. <laughs> He's already been to it for sure. Guaranteed. Okay, so how did the Portuguese rooster rise as a national symbol? I'm reading off of bportugal.com. It is said that the first person to turn the legend of the Barcelos rooster into an object was an artisan, Domingos Coto. He designed the rooster out of clay initially, but as the figurines spread throughout the country, other artisans began copying Coto's work. Interestingly, one of the main people responsible for spreading the Barcelos rooster as a national symbol of Portugal was dictator Antonio Salazar who served as oh. Prime Minister of Portugal from 1932 to 68. He was big on traditions and nationalism, declaring the rooster as an official symbol of Portugal. So we have him to thank. What does the <laughs> rooster symbolize? It is said to symbolize faith, honesty, justice, and luck. Justice, I can see from that story. Luck. Luck, I guess, because... He got lucky. The knot came undone honesty because he was being honest that he didn't commit the crime so we think we don't really know not sure yeah and faith like he had faith that that rooster was gonna just jump up from its kentucky fried chicken state you just solved it <laughs> it is said that anyone who has a barcelos rooster in their home will attract good fortune and happiness oh i don't think i have one Maybe like what I maybe I did growing up, but I definitely don't have one now. Are we getting a Barcelos rooster? I'll go get one. There's a culture topic for you. <laughs> I have no words because I'm just thinking about this cooked <laughs> rooster getting up. <laughs> Do you think he just like got up and he just like started walking away? <laughs> Let's be serious though. Like you cooked it with the head on. Oh, true. That's a point. That's the point. So do we have a headless rooster on our hands? Maybe they'll put like a pumpkin on his head. He's holding his head. How is he cockadoodle doing <laughs> when his neck and head are all chopped up in the stuffing? Clearly it didn't happen. <laughs> on the Wikipedia page for the Barcelos rooster, you should know that there's a little section called in pop culture, like, where have you seen the Barcelos rooster in pop culture? And in an episode of Seinfeld, season three, episode two, called The Truth, Elaine's apartment is like full of knickknacks. I don't, I don't really have a good Seinfeld memory, but I know you will. She has a Barcelos rooster knickknack in her apartment. So that episode is about, I don't even think it's really an Elaine-centric episode, but it was about George breaking up with a girl and she was supposed to help Jerry with the taxes and because he broke up with her she threw out all his like tax stuff out the window 
And then Jerry was screwed because he's like, I need that. Like, I need to do my taxes. And I, don't, I already forgot why they were in Elaine's apartment, but you see it in the background, like a little rooster on the shelf. So I remember watching the episode and I saw the little Portuguese rooster in the background. So you remember that like originally when you watched it or like when you watched like repeats recently? Not originally, no, on Netflix. Like a couple of years ago or something? Or No, like last year. Last year. There's a redo of it and I oh. saw it. I can confirm there is a rooster. Oh, good, good, good. I wonder if she knows what it meant. (laughs) (laughs) Seinfeld is a great gateway from culture to nostalgia, which is our next segment. For this nostalgia segment, since it's our one year episode, we decided we would do a couple of clips from some of our early episodes. So we picked like three clips that are kind of relevant and we're going to just talk about those quickly and we will play those for you here. The first clip is what we're calling the Conan clip, which was in our very first episode, episode one, which is kind of our trailer episode. It wasn't a full episode. It was talking about my ancestry DNA results. And then we can talk a little bit about an update on Hallie's results because she has since done a test. I got the results back and they were 100% Portuguese (laughs) and it pinpointed me to the Azores, to the exact island of the nine islands in the Azores that my family is from, to the village, like it circled around like three or four villages and those were the villages where my grandparents on both sides of my family came from and it knew. I didn't know it could tell you what village. It knew specifically, like it had like a dotted line around these villages. And I was like, wow, that's pretty accurate just from me spitting in a little tube and sending it out. Um, but it, so it confirmed what I had been telling people my whole life. <laughs> well, that's great. That, that, that I was 100% Portuguese, which was cool. When when I found that out, I was like, I wonder how rare this is it, to be 100% something, right? Like right, that's kind yeah. of crazy. And I was trying to search online for like, how rare it was and the only thing i could come up with was this conan o'brien clip video clip of i think he was on another late night talk show host. he was the guest oh, okay on this show and he did some similar dna testing and he came back 100 percent irish and he went to his doctor and he was like what does this mean and it's, <laughs> it's like he's like oh, i've never seen anything like this and his doctor was like it means you're inbred <laughs> And I was like, that is exactly what it means. And yes, I there's only so many people in the village. Right. So you have to get with the people in the village. <laughs> yeah. I oh, I haven't done lines yet. So I would like to see what it says. I would assume it's going to come back 100% Portuguese as well. That was the clip from our very first episode. You had not yet done your ancestry. I have not. You have since done yours, but before we get to your results, I just need to come clean because (laughs) as of that recording, I was in fact 100% Portuguese and that's what it said in my ancestry results. However, these little shits update the app (laughs) occasionally with new information, I guess. I don't know how that works. When I go in now, it says I'm 99%. Portuguese. It says 99% Portugal, Azores, Azores, Eastern Group, Eastern Miguel, which is 
all very accurate. But mm-hmm. then 1% Senegal. Oh, all right. 1% African. And it tells you which parent it comes from. So it says that the Senegal part is from, quote, parent one, because it breaks down all your matches to parent one or parent two. So parent one has this like African component. Parent two is all Portuguese. The problem is when I hit view breakdown so that I can see which parent that is, like it shows you which matches are on each of the parent. But I can't tell because the matches go to like both parents. It's so it's so inbred. You're supposed to be able to distinguish like these are all your matches from your mom's side. These are your matches from your dad's side. And yeah. then we have that third category that's like matches <laughs> on both sides and it just confuses everything. If you pull that up on your ancestry, like I have like, you know, 6,400 matches on parent A, parent B has 6,600 matches. And then the both sides how many do you have there? So for my both side, I have 39. I have 332. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to say in my defense, but I don't think I need a defense in this. But <laughs> in my defense, my parents are from different towns on the island, different villages. Your family. They're from different villages, but like neighboring villages. Yeah. In their defense. <laughs> Yeah, so 332 in the both sides matches seems like a lot. And you have close cousins that are in the both sides. Like, we were just looking, and I have a lot of, like, fourth, sixth cousins. You said that you have a... I have a first cousin in that match. Do you know them? Yeah, it's my first cousin. (laughs) Of course I know them. Okay, yeah, of course you know your first... Well, I have a first cousin I don't know. How are they my cousin on both sides of the family? Interesting, interesting development. <laughs> so this is my mom's brother's kid. Yeah. My mom's brother's wife must be related to my dad. That sounds probably right. Because I have the weird dynamic where on both sides of my parents, brothers and sisters married other people, but they were brothers and sisters. If that makes yes, sense. I have that in my family too. Yeah. So I have that on both. So would that come up as both sides on a DNA test? My head goes into a pretzel when brothers and sisters marry each other. So my concern when this when I did this was I dated somebody way back in the day. <laughs> and his last name <laughs> comes up a lot in this. So I'm like, I'm hoping there was no relation. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> Portuguese last names are so common that I w- I dated someone with my own last name. Right. Yeah, true. I was a little worried about it, actually, but I haven't <laughs> seen them pop up on this app yet. So <laughs> until it good. comes up. A quick run through of my ancestry was it never did pop up 100% for me. I have the 94% Portugal, which is like the Azores, Eastern Group, Western San Miguel, which I believe you have the same, obviously. I have Eastern San Miguel. I have 2% Norway, 1% Senegal. Nigeria, 1% Basque, and 1% Scotland. (laughs) I'll take it. You loved wearing that kilt in school. As we were talking before, I wish we could find out. You can. So you'll you'll have to go and just look through your 
matches on either side and you should be able to kind of get a gist of what parent what is. parent it is based on who the cousins are that are there it's a little dicey there might be some that are a little mixed up because you never yeah. know but like the majority should be from one parent and the majority should be from a different parent so you should be able to tell is one of them like pure portuguese and one of them is like all the mix or is the mixed stuff come from both mix comes from both Ah, like one parent is the one percent Scotland. That that same parent is the one percent Basque. The other parent is the one percent Nigeria. The person that's Scottish and Basque is the Senegal. Gotcha. And then the person that's the Nigeria is the two percent Norway. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I have one one pure bread and one (laughs) Muggle. Oh jeez! No, but this is so exciting too. I kept like checking my email, waiting to see like it would like it like alerts you every time something was being done with your test. And I was like, oh, it's in. oh my god, it's in, it's in. But it was it literally took I think like six to eight weeks. Oh, oh, that's miserable. Something that we saw just recently, our friend texted this to us because she's like, you're gonna want to talk about this on the pod, and she was right. <laughs> She saw it in a People magazine article, but it was originally a TikTok video that this woman named Selena Quinones, her TikTok account is at Real Estate Mamas. She had posted, do you know the Burger King kid meme where he's he's got a headset on and he's he must be like a YouTuber or something and they've cropped out this footage of him and he's got this Burger King t-shirt on and he's dancing to the one kiss is all it takes and he's dancing and then all of a sudden like i don't know the music stops he like takes his headphones off and he slams them down do you know what i'm talking about yeah i've seen a couple of those yeah so they're really funny and people have been like using that template sharing variations of that meme with different things so this woman used that meme to share it was like a picture of her and her husband the burger king kid is dancing it's like one kiss is all it takes and it says something on it like you know, when you've been married to your husband for 10 years, <laughs> when he pulls off his headphones and throws them to the ground, it's a picture of her DNA results and it shows like this DNA match to her husband. I have to see this TikTok video. Get out. Her match to her husband was 62. I guess the DNA unit of measurement is CM, centimorgans or something. Yeah. 62 CMs was her DNA match to her husband, which I'm just trying to look because that doesn't seem like a lot. I'm trying to look at my ancestry right now and see my matches and how much DNA. Like my first cousin is 926 CMs. So 62 is like, that's some distant ass shit, right? I mean, I have people on here that I share like 300 plus CMs and I don't even know who they are. My mom's first cousin kid pops up here and he is 190 cms to me right like i don't even think i can scroll far because there's so many matches that i don't even think i could scroll far enough to get to someone as low as 67 cms so that doesn't necessarily concern me an 87 cm is a fourth cousin okay all right 66 cms fourth cousin okay All right. So it's about a fourth cousin. I know some fourth cousins. (laughs) But (laughs) it didn't seem unusual to me. When I saw that video, I was just like, okay, like she just comes from a community like we came from. Yeah. We're all fucking related. Right. But this video got like 4.4 million views and people were in her comments being like, so you're getting divorced, right? 
She's been married to her husband for 10 years. She has three children with him. Like, no, she's not getting divorced. <laughs> no. just she found out she shares 62 CMs with him. Reason for divorce. We share 62 CMs. <laughs> I just thought that was so berserk. And like the comments were a little bit divided. Like you could see the people in the comments who were just like, yeah, that's normal where I'm from. And then other people were just like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. it's disgusting. Like all this shit. And I'm like, it doesn't phase me. Knowing what we know, how many people we know whose parents are first cousins, like, <laughs> does it face us? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't do it on purpose, but if it happened, it happens. So, a couple of the comments someone was talking about how they said, Don't you have to do a blood test before marriage? And I was like, What? Don't, right? They said, Oh, well, some states you don't, you no longer have to do a blood test, but you have to sign an affidavit saying that you're not related. And I was like, Did I have to sign an affidavit saying I wasn't related to my husband? Did you? I, I don't remember doing it, but like, could I have done it? Yes. But also, do you remember when we talked about the Catholic Church and the rules for marriage? Yeah. We talked about that in an episode. And I think one of them was talking about blood relatives. Like they, you couldn't marry in the Catholic Church if you were a blood relative. Yeah, that's when we were talking about like divorce and annulments and stuff. Yes. It doesn't surprise me, I guess, that they would make you sign an affidavit saying that you're not blood relatives and that at some point in the past, they would make you do a blood test. Crazy. I feel like I heard that you had to do a blood test way back in the day, but I didn't think it was for like relatives. I thought it was for like diseases, but maybe that's where my brain went because I'm a hypochondriac and I'm like blood test equals checking for diseases. But oh, like if you have like an STD or something like. Yeah, but I guess no, maybe it was to see if you're related. But back in the day, could they check that? Did they have the equipment for that? <laughs> I, I don't know. How far back in the day are we going? Because back in the day, wasn't it like seen as like a good thing to be marrying your cousin? Like, I don't know. Somebody else commented and said, this is why family reunions are so important. That's, that's a funny one, actually. <laughs> so funny. That was a big comment was people were like, this should have been caught long before the wedding. You're going to tell me no one was at that wedding being like, oh, look, that's Auntie Pam's kid. Yeah, that's also true. Because if we were fourth cousins, maybe, maybe a little less than that. I don't know. I wasn't inviting fourth cousins to my wedding, though. But somebody there has got to know something, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's like a Tia in the corner that knows something. Yeah, you're right. You're not inviting your fourth cousins to wedding. No, but like the general gist of the comments on this video was like someone should have caught that. Someone should have spoken up. And then this last comment that I'll bring up is this one was like, it was kind of brought up a lot in a lot of different ways. But this person said, bro, this could have been a secret, <laughs> meaning you didn't have to tell us. <laughs> you could have gone to the grave with this. We didn't need to know this information. Why would you tell us? And like the poor girl, like she just thought it was funny. Like, oh, my God, look at what happened to me. I took this DNA test and found out I'm related to my husband. And I agree with her. Like, that's funny. Like, I would post about that. She shouldn't be embarrassed or ashamed to post that. No, not at all. She didn't do it on purpose. I mean, her and her husband do look identical, so they maybe should have known. But So I only saw the People article, but I didn't know about the whole TikTok thing. Yeah. So I, I want to watch the video. <laughs> yeah, I'll send it to you. <laughs> all right. So the next nostalgia clip that we're going to do is from episode six. Episode six was kind of about Easter. The episode was titled That Time I Died. We did a few Holy Days of Obligations in other episodes. And so that episode, we ended up talking about like Good Friday, Easter, Jesus coming back, all that. 
this clip specifically was us talking about how Jesus came back from the dead and then waited six Thursdays before he ascended into heaven. (laughs) We were just riffing on that whole, what are you doing for six Thursdays when you come back to life, right? And so let me play that for you guys now. And I'm just trying to find out why he waited six Thursdays (laughs) after he rose from the dead to beam himself up. That it was a, that's a good question. It is apostles should have asked, yo, you you were just dead. You came back and now you're going like now you're ghosting us again. <laughs> For good though this time. But like I got about six Thursdays worth of shit I gotta do before I <laughs> I think he like you what we read was it wasn't he using that time to like go around and preach? I guess. But like, wasn't this all kind of like known in advance? Like you had plenty of time for preaching. Right. I don't know. But he also did came back to life. So like I would want to, if someone came back to life, I would want to hear what he has to say. For at least six Thursdays. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I want to know like what it was like. Were you bored? There's a lot of questions, right? A lot of questions. It just seems to me. If you were just going to rise from the dead, it just seems more of like, like it's, it's anticlimactic to stick around for six Thursdays after you rose from the dead. Right. And then just be like, <laughs> beam me up, Scotty. I feel like you should have just all in one motion, one swoop, just rise from the dead and boop, right all or, together. Well, at least if you're going to like come back and like hang out, do it quick. And then go. After six Thursdays, now you're just lingering around. <laughs> <laughs> You've overstayed your welcome. welcome. Yeah. Like, people are kind of over it now at this point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I forgot you actually died. Remember that time you died? Like, I forgot. <laughs> it was so long ago. Throwback Wait, Thursday. <laughs> TBT. <laughs> I love this clip. But it was just so fitting. Because we're sitting here recording this on Good Friday. That one was like one of my favorite episodes, hands down. There was a lot of good clips in that one. A lot. <laughs> Go back to listen to episode six if you guys want to listen to the whole thing. <laughs> and don't hate on the like echoey audio. We fixed that since, but the content is superb. <laughs> but as we sit here, I can't help but think of how on Good Friday, on the day that Jesus died, he's claimed to have had seven last words. And like by words, they mean expressions. So like seven separate expressions that he had as his last words on the cross. Things like, forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. I know you've heard that, right? Mm-hmm. He also says, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Which that presents a lot of questions because like, weren't they working together? Weren't they in cahoots? Yeah. Their father and son, right? Wasn't that like part of the plan together? Yeah. Hey, son, you got to go down. You got to do this thing. But then he's like, why have you forsaken me? What? Did God turn his back on Jesus? Doesn't it kind of like, (laughs) doesn't fit the whole narrative? I don't know. Here's what I think his last seven expressions actually were. I'm going to give you a collection of things, you know, maybe some quotes from some famous movies. Who knows? Just some expressions that I think were his last seven words. I'm ready for this. TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. That's gold. 
when I thought of that, I'm like, wait a minute, where does Thank God It's Friday come from? Does TGIF, does this start at Good Friday? <laughs> Is it a... It did CGIF come just come from the Friday night lineup? It's worse than that. It's worse than that. It came from TGI Fridays in the 1960s. <laughs> the restaurant chain. <laughs> but I think it really came from Good Friday. Oh, that was, that, that's good. That's good. I like and that And he was one. just like, thank God it's Friday. <laughs> Number two. I just can't wait to be king <laughs> these get better somehow as they go i promise you number three i think at some point there on the cross he would have exclaimed i am your father because they're all becoming one right they're all one together i am the son i am the father i am your father <laughs> number four I think maybe like halfway through, he would have been like, you're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> Number five, you know what they say. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. <laughs> Kelly is reacting. I didn't tell her these before we recorded and she is losing her shit on this pod right now. I'm holding a lot of it in because I don't want to laugh scream because it gets crazy for Melissa when she edits. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm gonna piss myself. <laughs> Number six. I think he would have started to get a little bit delusional towards the end. Yeah, being on a cross for that long. Yeah. yeah. So I think number six would have been to infinity and beyond. <laughs> These are so irreverent. These are very irreverent. Any religious listeners are gonna be pissed at us. I hope you find it funny. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's all good. It's just jokes. Just jokes. And number seven, his last and final words were certainly, I'll be back. <laughs> and that's the roundup of Jesus's last seven words on the cross. Did you just rewrite history? I did. This is a new folktale. This is a folktale that you folks can take into the future generations. <laughs> I'll be back. I like that one. I like that. I just can't wait to be king. DJI Fridays. Yeah, yeah. yeah. DJI Fridays. I, and I think, you know what they say, you the die a hero, live long enough to see yourself become the villain. You know he was thinking it uh, on the cross. He's like, I got to go out on top. I got to go out while I'm a hero. That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> like it's like even just like the way like the order that they're in is like the progression from like first on the cross to like all the stage being on the cross before you die like this is your own version of stages of the cross <laughs> oh my gosh these are the seven seven stations how many stations are there 14 i don't know yeah i have seven <laughs> I don't know how to segue from this into our next clip because this is just so irreverent. But <laughs> our next clip. So this was from episode 11. It was when we had Connie Marks on the show. It was one of the episodes we did with her. And this was what I'm going to call the green thumb clip because spring is upcoming. I felt like plants and planting was a good nostalgia clip for us to round out this episode before we hit mental health. So here we go. We had a very large above ground pool at my father's still current house. And then probably 
10 years ago, a tree fell on it. So it's like, oh, you know, kids are out of the house. We're going to take it down. It is now a giant and has been for, for eight years now. It is a giant, giant, the whole size of the pool garden. And every, I mean, the batatas that this man <laughs> produces, like I, I don't buy them at the store. I, anytime I run out of potatoes, I'm like, uh, dad, can I uh, come by and pick up potatoes? Like they literally can grow anything. And same, I kill things you have to water once a week. I, like, I, I can't, it? Did I, not? I haven't figured out how to keep a plant alive. I'm overwatering, underwatering, and I don't know which one is which. So I'm correcting in the wrong direction all right. the time. No, still dead. And yet a week ago, I had my daughter's birthday party here and my uncle was here. And he is collecting seedling like plants from my yard and putting them in a seven up bottle to take home. Fill, filled it with water and all the root. He pulled the whole root structure out of the ground with these things. He said, these are nice plants. I'm going to plant these in my yard. Put it in a seven up bottle. Let them all lined up nice. And he took them home to go plant in his yard. I'm like, <laughs> and, and they're going to thrive. They yeah. are going to thrive. Yeah. So those plants have never had a better life. <laughs> so every time we go to my brother's apartment. My mom's always checking all my brother's plants. <laughs> he has like a bunch of them that my mom has given him. But every time we probably go over like once every other week, he lives close by. And she's always like sticking her fingers in the soil saying, ah, ah, this needs a agua. Oh, you got to move this one for more sun. Oh, mommy's going to take this plant home. She's going to bring it back to life and bring it, bring it back. And it's like. Just so you can kill it again. <laughs> oh, my, my mom seriously can bring like any plant back to life. It's, I mean, that's just what they grew up around, I guess. So, like, they green know. Green bean, green thumb. It's yeah. nice. They, it's, like, need to work true. at, like, a dispensary. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Oh, oh, the, oh they got into marijuana. Here's, here's some seeds. Connie, what's this? Uh, uh, you'll learn later. <laughs> I say it all the time. I'm like, my mom needs to get a gig at a freaking <laughs> marijuana place because those freaking plants will be thriving. <laughs> Didn't your mom say something about, like, you have to talk to the plant in Portuguese or something. Yeah, my like, mom talks to her plants. Yeah, well, it's yeah. true because they're taking the. My mom talks to her plants. She like cl- she even cleans them and dusts them. You're supposed to like, like give massage them, the leaves. I could eat the plant. My grandmother has like a jungle. She's like replaced like her dining room table had to like move out of the way so she could put a jungle over Not there. Not enough room for the, her plantas. There's, there's 42 plantas that should have to be right there in the sun at the, that front window and like it's a jungle and then she's again constantly they're rotating and they're massaging and they're it's a lot of work. Pr- pr- like, praying the rosary to the plantas whatever they're doing. Might yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's been almost a year and I still can't keep a plant alive. I can't either and I actually got orchids not too long ago and they're already dead i can't keep an orchid alive for the life of me those seem expensive too like did you buy it or was it a gift no i bought it because i was like oh they're pretty and they're white i wanted to put them in like my bedroom because i like changed my like comforter out and all that stuff and i was like oh you know a nice refresh and all you have to do is put three ice cubes in them one day a week but somehow they die ice cubes I've never heard of watering with an ice cube. That's interesting. But I, if so, if anyone has any tips on orchids, <laughs> I would love to know. I would just love to know tips in general because I kill everything. I tried to grow garlic, like propagate a garlic from my grocery store garlic, and they yeah. were they were sprouting up great. Like they were huge 
garlics and I planted them in a little pot and whatever and like they died. So my parents have garlic right now growing outside. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. How do they do it? They just fucking know. I have no idea. But like what are they like I even bought one of those, I don't know, it's called it's like a moisture meter, basically. You stick it in and it goes from like zero to ten, maybe, and it's like dry to wet. For the specific type of plant, you can see which number on the moisture meter they like to be at. So like I have the snake plant, which I think is called like a mother-in-law plant or something, which is like kind of weird. Oh. Mother-in-law's tongue. Isn't that like, that's some tea, right? Like the snake plant is called the mother-in-law's tongue. Gossip, baby. Like who, who called it that? An angry daughter-in-law. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, right? So, but so I have a snake plant that actually has been alive for a couple of years because I think I got it like during Mother's Day, right when COVID hit. So I've kept it alive for like three years, right? Shit. But the thing is, look, looking not too good these days. Like it's looking a little dry and burnt out. But like you can look up snake plant and where it likes to be, and it's like a six or a seven on this moisture meter is where it likes to be, and that's where it's happiest. So I like literally just leave the moisture meter stuck into the plant, and I just water it to a six or seven, and then it'll go down to dry, and I'll water it to a six or seven. But like it looks like it's dying. So I just cannot. I struggle. Yeah. So I know my mom's crazy, and she moves her plants around all the time. One plant is like in a random room, like she'll have this big plant in the bathroom because sunlight comes through at a certain time in the bathroom. So now she's got this big planta in the bathroom. <laughs> she's always switching up her plants. I don't know how they know. How do they know? How they know this. Like they ain't using the internet. So how do they know this? My poor Vivo, my Vivo has like a hundred plants in her in her kitchen, right? And they are all yeah. thriving, of course. And she was trying to, she, it was like getting to be a lot for her to manage because she's kind of getting old. Because she has a jungle as well. She was trying to offload some on me the last time I visited her. And she was like, oh, take this one, take that one, take this one. I was like, Vavo, like, I would be honored to take the plant, but I cannot, I cannot accept you know, the offer of this plant because it will be dead in three to five business days. Like, I will kill it. <laughs> And I just feel so bad because it's like she cares so much for these plants and I would love to have one and I would love to to take one, but it would die immediately. And then I would just feel really guilty about it. Maybe like take one and just ask her like what it is that she does. She has like 18 different varieties of plants. Is she doing the same thing to all of them or are they just do they all have their own separate instructions that she knows? Like, I don't understand. Right. That would be a good question if I asked her how to take care of it, what she would say. I just always feel like I always heard my mom say, oh, this plant's getting too much sun. Or she'll be like, don't, you're watering too much this plant. So there's, there's like a system to it, clearly. Like, I just assume you just water your plants every day, make sure they're in sun and they should be fine, right? They must be able to tell by like looking at the leaves and how they're doing. But like, I never know. And this was apparent in the clip we just listened to. I never know, like, if the leaves start turning yellow, is that because I added too much water or because I didn't put enough? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it means when they turn yellow. Do you know what I mean? No idea. Because sometimes I look at it and I'm like, oh, this thing's dying. I need to water it. But, like, I think it's actually waterlogged. And that's why it's dying. Being into plants is a big thing (laughs) for a lot of people. So I don't want people to be upset with us. So, like... You can't cut a yellow leaf off of a plant, right? 
See, I don't know because I feel like they they will just go and like cut a random leaf off of a plant. They'll go pot it at home and they'll grow a whole new planta. And I don't understand how they do that. But I don't know. Is that a bad thing if you cut a, a yellow leaf off of a plant? I thought it was. I felt I like know. I saw like a meme thing on one time about it. And I was like, oh, you're not supposed to cut them. But what do I know? I can't keep, I can't, I can't keep an orchid alive. So I have this one like palm tree looking plant that I killed it very early on. Like the all the little <laughs> palm leaves died off immediately. And then it was just like this bulbous thing at the bottom, like the root part of the like bark or something. I don't know. But like the leaves were all just like dry and dead. They were just sitting there. I never cut them off. But then like I just kept it and I would like throw water on it occasionally still. And then like like a new leaf started sprouting. So I'm like, well, if you kill it, that could you could still resurrect it three days <laughs> later. Like- just like Jesus. I'll be back. <laughs> you have a point because my mom has kept some like dead plants in the house. And I'll be like, why do you still have this? Like it's dead. And she's like, oh, it's going to come back. I can see it. It's coming back. I see the little bit. It's a little teenage. It's coming back. And sometimes it comes back, I guess. Maybe you just have to wait it out. It has a lot to do with, I'm, I feel like, because they lived on an island and they were just around greenery all the time and they had to plant and grow stuff to eat. Right. It was a survival skill for them. God, we, we would be screwed if the world ended and it was an apocalypse and we needed to grow <laughs> vegetables in a garden. I can't grow a garlic, dude. <laughs> we would be dead. It's sad. It's honestly sad. I keep debating every time I go to the grocery store um, and I want to buy herbs. I want to buy the potted herbs instead of like instead of buying basil in the little pacoch on pacoch. Isn't that like <laughs> that's got to be a made up word. So instead of buying the little pacoch basil that are hanging on the thing, go over and buy like a potted basil plant. Yeah, I want to do that so badly. It's the same price. I think you get more basil and like the chance for getting more basil. Do you think, though, you'll kill it? Yeah, that's why I haven't done it yet, because I think I'm going to kill it. But if I don't, it's a lot of free basil. Yeah, I have a lot of Instagram friends that are very big into plants. They have like plants all over their apartment. Having plants is a thing right now. I want to be that person. I agree. I know. My husband, every time I come home with a new plant or... I try to plant something. He's just like, it's just going to die. You're just going to kill it. Like, I just. I am surprised. He's such like a health conscious person. He doesn't want you guys to like have a garden and grow your own like veggies. I think he does. I think he he wishes that for us. But I think he knows the reality of the situation is that I don't know how to do any of that. And you have to water it at certain times and you can't water it when it's too hot outside because you're going to burn it. I've heard it all from my parents. <laughs> the problem is we joke about it because when we bought this house, the people who lived here before us were very good gardeners. They had a bunch of stuff around the property. They had all these blueberry bushes and they had these raised garden beds with strawberries all in them. And they had walnut trees and they had apple trees and they had all kinds of shit, right? We moved in and we were like 25 years old we had no idea how to take care of any of that stuff and it was just a nuisance like we would sit in our living room and we would just watch squirrels feasting on our strawberries before we would get to harvest them so we were just like this is stupid (laughs) we literally took the lawnmower 
to the strawberry patches. Like can just mow it over it constantly until it like stopped growing. Oh my God. And then we were like, what are we going to do with these raised garden beds? Because they're taking up so much space in our yard. And so like years went by. We were like, I hate these things. They're an eyesore because like we didn't plant anything in them. And then we ripped them all out. Eventually it was a huge project. We it took forever to like get rid of all these, all this dirt and all this wood from these raised garden beds. And then we paid a bunch of money to have somebody come in and put a patio down. And then we bought all this patio furniture. And now we have this wonderful patio where the garden beds used to be. And like as soon as we did that, we were like, you think we should start a garden? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I really wish like we had something, maybe like some raised garden beds or something. Like we should put those back in. Like, that's just the story of our life. Like we took all that stuff out. And now all I want is like all that stuff back. We cut down the apple trees. Like we we uprooted all the blueberry bushes. We cut down the walnuts. Oh, And I'm like, do you think we should plant some blueberry bushes? <laughs> And I bet the garden, because the, the garden was where the patio was at, right? Yes. That's probably like a good spot where the sun's at. I'm sure it is. I'm sure wherever it I is. try to put it now is like the worst spot for it. I'm sure. <laughs> you were young, dumb. Well, not really dumb because you've always been smart, but you were young and maybe like kind of lazy, I guess. Well, we were, well, we were both working. Like, we didn't you just have didn't time. know. Yeah. yeah. We didn't have time for that. But now as you're older, you're like, shit, I would appreciate it a lot more. Yeah, like you have one pandemic and like the food supply starts getting a little iffy. (laughs) I could survive on strawberries and walnuts. Get a couple of chickens to lay some eggs. I don't know if chickens are in my future, but maybe a rooster. (laughs) Mental health. We each have a couple of hopefully quick things that we wanted to share. Kelly, you can go first with yours. So for my mental health, I was looking into using kava. And it's a plant from like the Pacific Islands, I believe. And it's supposed to help with anxiety. But I'm scared to use it. (laughs) Because, of course, I read side effects and everything. and I get into a whole I don't want to have a whole other anxiety about using something that's supposed to help my anxiety so I just want to know if any of our listeners have ever used kava kava is extracted from a plant and it can be into like a pill form like a liquid you put in your coffee water and it's supposed to help with obviously your anxiety it focuses on like the central nervous system but the side effects I mentioned liver toxicity and I was really worried about that I don't have any issues with my liver but I don't want to cause any issues with my liver. So just any suggestions from any of you listeners, if you guys have ever tried it, I'd like to hear it. Like, I would like to know because it also has been banned in some European countries because of the liver toxicity. But then they did study research and it says, oh, your, your liver's fine on it. <laughs> so we're not going to ban it anymore. And then the U.S. never banned it. So I'm just trying to get some some tips from you guys if you guys ever tried it. So I had not really heard of this, but it's K-A-V-A. K-A-V-A, Kava. Yep. We just talked about it before coming on this. And I was just Googling it real quick. And it was talking about how it gives you that like sedative vibe. So I think that's why it helps anxiety because it just is like sedates you a little bit. Yeah. 
And so obviously combining it with anything else that's also sedating you is probably not a good idea. Like I think it said, like, don't combine it with alcohol. Don't combine it with other downers or depressants. Like if you're on antidepressant medication of any kind, it's not a good mix, like all that kind of stuff. So I just want to put that caveat out there. Good boy. (laughs) We're not telling people to use it. We're just wondering about it. No, I'm definitely not telling people to use it because I have I have not used it myself either. I was just curious if people have used it let me know your experiences on it it said something about like if you paired it with another downer like if you took kava with like a xanax it would put you in a semi-comatose state and that's like something i'm not looking to be that sedated (laughs) i'm not looking for that either (laughs) not looking for comas but the reason why i brought it up was because i feel like i'm I'm seeing it all over Instagram right now. So many people are using it. So that's why I'm very just curious. Are they being paid to use it though? Is it paid sponsored? <sighs> no, I actually ads? just saw someone. No, I saw someone use it yesterday and they were just posting, they were putting it in their story. They didn't even like show me what it was. Like it didn't even show me. It was no ad. It was definitely not an ad. And then a podcaster, they were talking about their episode and someone mentioned it that they had kava in their coffee. Doesn't that sound dumb? A coffee is like caffeine to like energize you and then you're going to take this like sedative. That's weird, right? Yeah. So that's why I'm like, I, I just want to know more about it. Because <laughs> you're right, though, because I've like I didn't hadn't even heard about this. But when I just Googled it, it was talking about like the coffee mix. And I'm like, I don't get that. Yeah. Like, why are you taking if one is to up you and one to down you? It just cancels out. So like, just don't drink the drink. <laughs> Save your three dollars. Don't drink it. But there's going to be a reason why they do it. I don't know. So this pairs nicely with my mental health conversation today, which was going to be about sleep tips. So look, if you're taking a lot of kava, you're going to be getting a lot of sleep. <laughs> it was just about the importance of sleep because we're coming off of like my husband and my family has all been a little bit sick this week and we have not been getting good sleep this week. And it makes such a difference in your moods and your life and everything. So sleep is super important in our household. My husband is like an adamant, very rigid bedtime and he wakes up very early, but he gets his eight hours in and he's worn like sleep monitors to track all of his like heart rate and all kinds of his restoration, how much restorative sleep he was getting, like all this kind of stuff. He's, he's tracked all of it. He's tried that and like he's noticed patterns, of course, like if he had any alcohol that day mm-hmm. like whatsoever even if it was like a beer at four o'clock the sleep that night would be disrupted because of it which is crazy how much that impacts you i can confirm that i don't even need to be intoxicated i just i will sleep like crap that night you know how some people can like sleep and they'll be in a coma i i'm not like if i drink i'm not sleeping that night they say even if you're in that coma state like let's say you got like really drunk right and then you like pass out and you're just like oh my god i'm in a coma i must have gotten great sleep no you didn't like that's like terrible sleep it's not restorative your body is just like working so hard to process like toxins and stuff like your body you might think you're getting good sleep but you're not your body is like working overtime other things like if you ate too late close to when you went to bed you have to like stop eating after a certain time you have to make sure you're not having caffeine after a certain time no blue light for a certain number of hours, maybe an hour, at least an hour or two before you go to bed. You're supposed to have like no blue light, which is like any of your screens or TVs or anything. So, which is just, it's all, it sounds like so 
impossible, but we've been trying to work towards that. We try to create the best sleep environment that we can in terms of like just even the atmosphere of when you sleep, like having it lights off, the right temperature, that sort of thing. Good airflow, whatever the situation may be. Like that. I wanna I wanna wake up feeling refreshed. That's my problem. I never wake up feeling refreshed. I mean, I've never woken up feeling refreshed. Let's not be no let's not, <laughs> let's not get crazy here, but anything that you can do to like not wake up feeling like a trash bag every day, you know, small, small little steps in the right direction. So we summed up our mental health, I think. On this note, we're gonna take our own advice and we're gonna go get some good sleep. TGIF for us and we'll be back next week (laughs) my Arnold Schwarzenegger impression needs work (laughs) 